When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, and welcome to Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and there's Josh over there. And uh, this is Short Stuff. Giddy up, Chuck. All right. We're going to go to the late 1970s. I love the 70s. Uh, the Vietnam War is well over. Yeah. Well, but, for America, at least. Well, that's true. Um, but Vietnamese and Laotian people started noticing over there that uh, periodically there would be a sticky yellow uh, rain um, when it was really sunny out coming mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and that this substance killed plants and made people sick, uh, especially among the among the Hmong. <laughs> wow. Which is to say H-M-O-N-G, mm-hmm. uh, which were people in Southeast Asia who fought with France against the communists since the 1950s. Yeah, they were mountain people in North North Vietnam and in Laos. Yeah, I think they probably... Uh, they're, oh, never mind. I was about to discuss a deleted scene in Apocalypse Now, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> Are they the ones that they dine with? They have dinner with them? I think so. I think there were French and, the, and Hmong. But... It would make sense because the Hmong cast their lot with the, with the French and then later on the Americans when the CIA showed up. Because remember, we've talked about this in multiple episodes. Yeah. One of the things the CIA did is they would drop behind enemy lines and say, oh, you hate the people we're fighting too? Well, let's assemble a guerrilla army, right. and the Hmong fought with them. Well, that led to big-time trouble for the Hmong after the Americans withdrew in, I believe, 1975, because that left the Hmong holding the bag. Everyone knew that the Hmong had fought against the communists, and the communists had just become successful in the Vietnam War. And so the communists turned their um, ire against the Hmong people who no longer had any any American backing. So as they were kind of driven from their homes and um, and, and to refugee camps across the border into Thailand, um, they were harassed by the communist government. And f- from that, from that that experience, this idea that they that something was being sprayed on them kind of took root. This yellow rain that was thought to be some sort of um, biological uh, weapon that was being deployed by the Vietnamese government, and um, the Americans took it quite seriously and got their hands on some samples. And in I think 1981, Alexander Haig, who was Secretary of State at the time, said, "Yep." It's some sort of uh, biological weapon. We think it's trichothecene, which is a mycotoxin, and we think that the Soviets are supplying it in flagrant violation of anti-biological weapons conventions that have been around since 1925. You didn't do your Alexander Haig? <laughs> that was my Alexander Haig. <laughs> okay. It didn't come through. <laughs> the whole thing was. Oh, well, goodness. Sorry, Al. <laughs> Can you do one? Let's hear yours. Oh, I would. I would just have said something about the Soviet Union like that. That's uh, that's Henry Kissinger. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> Alexander Haig <laughs> didn't talk anything like that. <laughs> I was totally thinking Kissinger, and it's funny. As soon as you said that, I got a mental picture that went from Kissinger to Haig. Yeah, because I totally remember Al Haig now. Yeah, for sure. All right, that, maybe, that was. You know, he liked to impersonate 
Uh, Kissinger, everyone knows that. I'll bet, yeah, behind his back, and it wasn't very flattering. All right, so, uh, and we're going to leave that in there, even though it's short stuff. I don't care. That was a classic SYSK moment, my friend. So, uh, first of all, we should point out that this idea that it would be something like that after we had dropped Agent Orange all over the place for 10 years, you you can't blame them for thinking something like that is going on. Mm -hmm. However, uh, something kind of smelled hinky in the nose of one Matt Messelson, mm-hmm. who was a, a biologist at Harvard University. And he said, this doesn't really make sense to me. So a couple of years later, in 1983, he got some samples. And he said, you know what's in here? It's really weird. He said, there's a lot of hollowed out pollen mm-hmm. that's indigenous to this area. And th- this would mean <laughs> that the Soviet Union is taking pollen, hollowing it out, filling it with poison and bringing it back and dropping it down on sunny days like it's rain. Right. It's a very bad idea. It's very outlandish. It's not a very effective dispersal method. And the concentration of of mycotoxins in there anyway was not really any different than samples of uh, leaves and plants anywhere else in Southeast Asia. Right. Like his his position was like, yes, these people are being harassed, but I don't think this yellow rain is actually a, a biological weapon being supplied by the USSR, that there's something else going on. It's it's like you said, it's just too outlandish what the what the process would require for this to, to be what it was. So he had a, he was a biologist, like you said, and he knew enough to know that bees, specifically um, giant Asian honeybees that lived in the area, um, actually will eat pollen, but they don't eat the outer shell of the pollen. They eat the protein inside the pollen. So when they poop, they poop out regular pollen, or they poop out hollowed-out pollen, okay? Yes. So he said, I think I think this might just be a case of honeybee poop. I think that's what everybody's freaked out about is it's just honeybee poop. But people were saying, okay, yeah, that's true biologically, but... What you're talking about for that for something that looks like yellow rain to be produced would would require a mind-boggling number of bees to all poop at once in the same area. So explain that, Mr. Messelson, Mr. Mr. Harvard trained biologist. You can't, can you? And he said, I will, right after this message break. <laughs> Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hey, 
everybody. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. That's right. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or you can check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota Dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, so... Messelson takes a message break. Right. Everyone's like, what's that? <laughs> right. And he said, I just had to use a bathroom. And they went, oh, well, that's normal enough. They, but we don't call it message breaks. So there was, well, he used scare quotes, so. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so he said there's some other inconsistencies here, too, because uh, you interviewed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of people that said that there were no planes around when this stuff was raining down, which is a problem. Yeah, because, I mean, that's how you disperse biological weapons, typically, is from a plane. So where's this, you know, where's the plane? How is this stuff happening if there's no plane? And he also said that, you know, all these health problems that are going on, he said it's really probably just um, people with dysentery and nutritional deficiencies. And, you know, it seems like you're asking very leading questions to me. This whole thing really stinks at this point to Messelson. Well, well, also, Chuck, there's one other thing. There, so I went back and I was reading some, like, an article in Science from the time, and they were saying, like, like there is indeed some sort of mycotoxic poison that is, is hurting people. And so that was a, a big reason why this is still yet resolved, because there was a mycotoxic poisoning. Messelson's position was, well, these people are living in refugee camps. It's not like they're eating top-of-the-line food. I'm sure some of them are eating moldy food and are suffering ill effects from it. So that would explain this appearance of mycotoxic poisoning. And in, in that guy's defense, that trichothecene is supposedly was discovered in uh, the USSR from people eating moldy food. That's how it was first found. Amazing. Yeah. So... A few years later, uh, 1989, I'm about to graduate high school, and Messelson teams up with uh, some Canadian biologists to figure this whole thing out because the whole idea of, like, why, you know, you know how many bees it would take to poop down yellow rain on mm-hmm. everyone? Right. And they said, well, we're going to find out just how many bees it would take. Uh, they uh, realized that it was falling on hot, sunny days, which is the first big clue, and they measured the body mass of these bees before they left their highs. Uh, then after they came back to the hives, and they found out that while they were gone, they lost 20% of their body weight on the return flight. That is a big old poop. That's a big old poop. So they would leave together in these big giant swarms, thousands of them. They would poop. They would come back to care for their little larvae. And they said this is also happening most frequently on really hot, sunny days. So we think we've kind of figured this thing out. Right. What they figured out was that the so um, Asian honeybees – the larvae, as they're developing, if they overheat, they will deform, basically. Um, they, they will um, develop incorrectly, I guess. And so to keep the temperature in the hive lower, 
especially on hot sunny days, the hive, the bees in the hive will fly out and, and excrete waste all at once, basically, or in one trip. And then when they come back, since they've lost 20% of their body weight, the, the temperature inside the hive is that much lower because their weight is not producing that much more waste heat. So they actually figured out that that's what bees will do, at least Asian honeybees, to keep the, the to regulate the temperature in the hive so that the larva can develop normally. Um, and they said, we think we just solved the mystery of yellow rain. That's right. Uh, more research in later years pretty much confirmed this. And everyone is basically on board except for the fact that uh, Kissinger and Alexander Haig never came back and uh, retracted their statements. So officially, we... Um, you know, I don't know if that stuff matters or not, but officially we have never retracted that statement as as a nation yeah. that it was not the Soviet Union. Um, I just got finished watching uh, Chernobyl, so oh, I gotta see it. I'm like at a fever point of like the truth and toxins because the Soviet Union still says, or I'm sorry, Russia still says, 31 people died. <laughs> How many people did die? Oh, they don't know. Anywhere between 4,000 and 90,000 is what it wow. said depending on how you count, you know, cancer 20 years later and stuff like that. Should we do, I was talking to a friend, Blair, um, who is a friend of both of ours, a photographer, and he was like, you got to do one on Chernobyl. And I'm like, everybody knows about it now. Should we do one? Maybe. Okay, because I'd love to. It's a fascinating topic, but if everybody already knows about it, it's like, what's the point? It's a, it was a heck of a show, I'll say that. All right. Well, I'll at least watch that. All right, so uh, to finish up here, though, the Hmong, for their part, uh, things haven't gotten a lot better. They continue to suffer uh, to this day. Um, very small amount of them made it over to the United States. Uh, some people returned to Laos. Some people returned to Vietnam. Uh, like we said at the beginning, a lot of them were going to Thailand as refugees. Mm-hmm. But in 2009, the Thai government shut that down and sent away thousands and thousands of the Hmong. And uh, it's really just sort of a sad situation. But as this article points out, the one silver lining is that like this whole thing, anytime there's a new theory about what happened or anytime it makes the news, the Hmong also make the news. Right, which I think is really worth pointing out for sure. And that, yeah. this, this, uh, one of the articles we used for this was um, called The Mystery of Yellow Rain. It was written by Jacob Roberts for Distillations, which is a, a blog of the um, Science History Institute. Good which stuff, is sir. Very good stuff. Uh, all right, well, that's it for short stuff. See you later. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.